In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. The Denver Nuggets select Michael Porter Jr. But I'm going to make sure that this pick is this organization's best pick they've ever made. Morris inside. Jokic. Jokic. 23. Edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, take two after losing this podcast the first time. So let's see how this one goes. I am your host, TJ McBride. You can find me on Twitter at TJ McBride NBA. Like I said, this is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and this is going to be a podcast where we get into day three of training camp, and I also talk about Facundo Campazzo. If you've listened to my past podcast, the past two, I should say, I've spent time outlining the best case scenario for both Zeke Naji and RJ Hampton. Not the most likely outcome, the best case scenario for both of them. So that doesn't mean it's likely. It's just what is on the table for their ultimate outcome from what we can tell right now. We're going to do it a little bit differently this time because Facundo Campazzo is not a rookie. He's a guy who we need to look at what his upside is this year because he he's on a two-year contract. It's a biannual exception. He could be gone very quickly, potentially. So this isn't a draft player where, or a player they drafted where there's like seven years of team control. This is going to happen right away. So we're going to talk about his ultimate upside this season. But like I said, we're going to get into day three of training camp, which is a very loose term right now, first and foremost. This has almost been like a week of media day as opposed to training camp because we're getting to talk to players. We've talked to Monte Morris, Jermichael Green. We've talked to Isaiah Hartenstein. Uh, we talked to Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic, and Jamal Murray today. We're going to end up talking to Will Barton and PJ Dozier tomorrow. Well, when you're listening to this, probably Friday, um, that's when we're also going to be talking to them is on Friday morning. So, even though there's nothing happening on the court, it's one player with one player development coach on one end of the court and one player and one player development coach on the other end of the court. That's all the work that can be done right now for the Denver Nuggets. So this hasn't necessarily been training camp. It's very difficult to quantify it as that. With that being said, though, December 6th is when they are allowed to start having group workouts. It is not clear if that means full team workout. It is not clear how many people that actually means. I, I have no idea. But it'll be more than these individual workouts, which really, they're not doing anything for the Nuggets who need to start developing chemistry with seven new faces in the locker room. So there's a lot going on for the Nuggets, but actually nothing is happening, which is an extremely frustrating place to be. Still, we got to talk to Nikola Jokic, Paul Millsap, and Jamal Murray today, and let's kind of just go over what each of them said, and let's start with Nikola Jokic. There were four main takeaways that I had from his press conference. Um, The first and biggest one, also the one that went off and viral on Twitter, was Nikola Jokic really uh, not wanting the respect, but making it clear that the Denver Nuggets are not getting the national respect quite yet. He was asked about it, and he said, and I quote, Even now they are talking about how the Clippers lost, not how we won. Just because someone doesn't give us respect doesn't mean we listen to their opinions. We know how good we are. He had a lot of statements like this throughout the press conference, and it was... um. 
you could tell it was very clear that even though they did something spectacular last year, they were able to actually go to the Western Conference Finals and prove that this young core that they have been grooming actually has the ability to get to that level of contention. And that's all extremely encouraging, but there still isn't that type of a understanding or spotlight on the Nuggets yet in the national perspective. And you can tell it not really, it didn't really irk him, but it was, Nikola Jokic was extremely cognizant of that reality. Um, also, he seemed really excited to get going. Like he was a happy, jovial dude today talking about his wedding and how his wife planned it all. And all he cared about was the music and her and how he was out in Serbia having, like he was having a, a great time. You could just tell Nikola Jokic was in a great place mentally, having a fun time that day. And that was, was cool to see especially when we first got to see him after all this time he also spoke about being in good shape um he i'm trying to remember he said i am in the right shape and it absolutely killed me because nikola Jokic just 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 cracks me up but he says that he is in the right shape he needs to be in he's ready to go for the season he doesn't feel like there's this big hangover necessarily from last season despite how short the offseason was so that's also very good and i think the coolest thing that he said is he talked about jermichael green and obviously a new player, but the Nuggets have a lot of experience playing against him. I mean, they just got done playing a seven-game series against the Los Angeles Clippers and Jermichael Green. So this is not new to them. And even Paul Millsap, I'll talk about this when Paul, actually I'll say it right now. Paul Millsap called Jermichael Green the power forward you absolutely don't want to play against. It's like that meme when LeBron sees like rookie year Kawhi enter the game in the playoffs and like mutters fuck to himself real quick at the free throw line. Apparently that's how Paul Millsap and other power forward feel about Jermichael Green, which I didn't know it was at that level. I always liked Jermichael Green. I never knew it was at that level. So when Nikola Jokic says he's a dog and the type of player they need, that very much so falls in line with what Paul Millsap said. And that was very revealing. I actually didn't realize there was that much of a grit to Jermichael Green. Like, he's a hard worker. The dude puts in absolute effort and energy every time he's on the court. But that level of grit is never something that is... Um, constantly brought up when you discuss him so to hear it like that from people who had played against him so recently was very revealing to me um but yeah that was Nikola just presser again a lot of happiness a lot of just joking around about his wedding which was awesome to hear him talk about it but that's all you really got from a basketball point of view Let's just quickly hit on Jamal Murray's because, frankly, there wasn't much to discuss. Uh, Jamal Murray was quite disengaged during the media interview. And again, players have bad days. I'm not going to sit here and say that this is like, something wrong, but I'm just going to tell you how it was. Jamal Murray did not seem like he was in the mood of getting into too much depth in terms of his answers. Um, he was kind of snarky, which is fine. Like, I get that way every damn day. So it is what it is. Um, but yeah, there wasn't a whole lot to note from his from his um, overall interview. So that's I just wanted to explain why I'm not going into that much depth as to what Jamal Murray said. Uh, let's move on now to Paul Millsap. Um, cool stuff here. When he was asked about battling for the starting power forward position, he flat out said, no, I don't battle my teammates. I'm not looking at this as a battle. I'm just coming in and playing the best way that I can. And this leads me into my favorite point about Paul Millsap's press conference. There is this newfound perspective that I personally haven't seen from him. So maybe he's had this perspective and it just hasn't come out in a media setting yet. But there was a sense of, I don't need to set expectations for myself. I'm not going to try and pretend like I know where I stand. He said he feels extremely good for his age, for his 15th year in the league. He was very open about that. But there was the sense that 
he was just happy to be there. There was a sense that he is very blessed to to play a game that he loves so much for a career and to be able to do it for 15 plus years and make the money he has made doing it. And there was just like this sense of gratitude and this sense of um almost like it was like watching someone realize their dream had been fulfilled after 15 years of their career. And of course, there's still more to go. He wants to win a title, this and that. But there was just this sense of calmness, acceptance, understanding, and... um. I guess, yeah, gratitude. It was just very, like, he, he looked like he just felt so blessed. And it was just a really refreshing perspective, especially in the state of the world where coronavirus is ravaging the entire earth right now. And there is just so much doom and despair everywhere you look. To see somebody like Paul Millsap, who it, it wanted to stay in Denver because his family likes Denver and he likes the organization, and because he can just be himself and be grateful and enjoy playing basketball and do it the best he can still, it was just a really, really refreshing perspective on things. And I just wanted to make sure I noted that in this conversation because it is really cool to see him do that. Um, he also spoke about how it always seemed like he was going to come back to Denver. Um, this was always what I kind of understood as well as Denver had every intention of bringing back Paul Millsap in some capacity. Became much more important when they lost Jeremy Grant and the Boston Celtics tried to get Paul Millsap, but regardless, it always seemed very, um, it always seemed like they were going to end up back together once again. He also said he wanted to win with this group, and the cool thing he said as well after that was um, he's excited for Michael Porter Jr. He knows it's a big year, but he also said he doesn't want to put pressure on him. He said as long as he puts his hard hat on and comes to work every day, he believes that everything is going to work out the way that it needs to for Michael Porter Jr. Paul Millsap is one of the longest standing supporters of Michael Porter Jr. in that locker room. He was one of the first guys to be like, that dude's got talent, and as long as he keeps working, he has a ridiculously bright future in the NBA. And it's just cool to see him continue to hold on to that mantle and do what he can to support his guys. So that was training camp day three. I hope that helps a little bit, but we're going to take our first quick break, tell you about Indeed, and then on the other end, we will talk about Facundo Campazzo. Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every single hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply.
All right, let's get into Facundo Composo and his ultimate upside with this Denver Nuggets team because there's a lot to be excited about that he can bring to the table. Let's kind of break it down in tiers here. We'll talk about his elite skills, his swing skills, the worrisome aspects of his game, and then we'll finish out this segment with the ultimate best-case scenario for what he can add this season. Um, I have five things down for his elite skills, which is actually quite a few considering. Um, I have not had this many for quite a few guys but passing which is a given like he's one of the most magical passers on the earth um his shot versatility this is really really important it's not just that he has the ability to make threes he can make threes off the catch going to his left off his catch going to his right off the dribble going to his left off the dribble going to his right step in three pointers in rhythm off the catch three pointers when he's jumping into it his ability to hit shots from different angles from different places on the court going either direction is integral to his ability to be creative as a scorer to make up for his size. He's 5'11". I know. I don't know how many more people on Twitter need to come tell me that both Monte Morris is 6'1 and he's 5'11 and that's a problem. I, I, I know how tall these people are. You don't need to tell me. But there are ways that both Monte Morris and Facundo Campazzo do a great job of making up for their size on the offensive end of the court. Like, Monte Morris is such a great pick-and-roll player. But, again, Monte Morris is not the podcast about Monte Morris, but my rant is over for that. But again, the shot versatility is key here. The three-point shooting is not all I'm talking about. It's his mid-range game as well as a jump shooter and all of his bag of tricks around the rim. He is a really, really, really creative finisher around the rim, uses tons of floaters with either hand going either direction, um, lots of speed, slow, whatever it may be. He can really make any kind of angled shot on the court. And this isn't to say he's like a Steph Curry level shooter. He's not nearly that efficient, but he is always a threat. And that is going to open up the rest of his game. And because he is so smart, which IQ is the third thing on this list, he knows when to use those advantages. He's not just a gunner. This is not like He's not LaMelo Ball. They're both incredible passers. They both have the shot versatility to shoot from anywhere on the court going either direction. But LaMelo doesn't know how to make the proper decisions. He doesn't know how to use all of his advantages to create the best case scenario. Facundo Campazzo is already there and knows exactly how to do it and knows how to make up for his size issues that he has being 5'11". So that IQ mixed with that shot versatility is monumental to his game and his ability to translate at the NBA level. This this is not something that Milos Teodosic has. Um, this is not something that even Carlos Navarro had. So, like, when you start looking at other point guards who came into the NBA in their mid to late 20s to see if they can make it, Facundo is in a different category, in my opinion, mostly because of those three things. The passing mixed with the shot versatility mixed with the intelligence to be able to use all of those skills in the most beneficial way possible. But what's cool about Facundo is that it doesn't stop there. There are two other aspects of his game. Some can say they go hand in hand. I don't believe so. But competitiveness and toughness. This dude is a fucking warrior. He does not relent. He is out there to destroy his enemy when he plays basketball. I've said this in multiple places and even on this podcast a couple times. Him and Jamal Murray are very much so kindred spirits in this regard. Remember when Jamal Murray decided to go for 50 points against the, against the Boston Celtics and missed that three despite being up 10 at the end of the game and Kyrie Irving whipped the ball into the stands and it was a big thing? Facundo Campazzo, and I cannot remember who they were playing. 
uh, he once was up by like eight or nine points, stole the inbounds pass, despite the fact that they were up by that much and the game was virtually over, hit a three, and then deed up full court. Like, the dude doesn't stop. He does not care what the situation is. You are going to get 130% Facundo Campazzo every single minute he is on the court. And it's something that people who've watched a lot of Facundo Campazzo know very well. Like I'm sure there are people who are listening to this who are like big time international basketball fans and have watched a lot of Real Madrid and have seen him with the Argentinian national team who are like, how do you not know this? But like people in the States who don't watch a lot of international basketball, they don't know this part. So that's why I say it's kind of overlooked. It's not because you guys have overlooked it. It's because it hasn't translated to the way that the States have perceived him as a player yet because he's so new here. That's the point I'm making. He is incredibly competitive. The toughness, though, goes to a different level. He will not back down. He's that dude in the schoolyard trying to fight the six foot six bullies with by himself without any care in the world. He is a fearless individual in this regard, and it helps him a ton on the court to make up for his size is that he will go into guys at the rim. He's not scared to be physical, and that level of toughness, that level of grit is a great addition to the other finesse that exists in his game. So, the five elite skills that I have, passing, shot versatility, IQ, competitiveness, and toughness. Let's talk about the swing skills now. His defensive impact is extremely interesting. Some people are going to immediately be like, there's no chance he's 5'11". I don't care what he can do. He's 5'11". It's not going to work in the NBA. They're just going to pick and roll him to death on defense. I don't disagree with you, but at least let me talk about this. When he played overseas, his IQ on defense was also insane. Shane Larkin, who has done incredible things overseas, once played for the New York Knicks, if I remember correctly, he is currently playing in Istanbul and actually the Tur- the Turkish national team, and he is averaging like 27 points a game. And even he responded to my tweet on Twitter about Facundo Campazzo's potential difficulties on defense by saying, nah, man, that dude can play essentially. There are people who fully believe that despite him being 5'11", the toughness, the strength, and the IQ is enough for him to make up for it to become passable. Whether this happens at the NBA level or not is completely up for debate. That is why this is considered a swing skill, because we don't know which way it'll swing yet. But what I want to say is that there is a chance it swings to passable. There is a chance that he is not just a disaster on defense. There's a chance he knows how to body up guys, pull out the chair, use positioning to be able to get him towards the help defense, get into passing lanes because he knows where these ball, where these passes are going. Those types of things, the very Steph Curry-esque defensive ability, he can add to the table. And that's something that I'm very curious to see. The three-point shooting is also very interesting because he is streaky. I think the biggest reason for this was because he was asked to do a lot of shot creation and isolation in Real Madrid. Not in isolation, but like end-of-shot-clock kind of stuff. He was the guy. And it led to him taking a lot of tough shots. I really wonder, in an NBA team where he's the third, fourth, or fifth option on offense, if he suddenly is able to become a much more effective three-point shooter. Again, swing skill. We don't know. He could be just as streaky as he was at Real 
Real Madrid, but there is a chance that he can become a more effective three-point shooter at the NBA level because he's not asking, being asked to carry the burden of the offense in such a meaningful way. And the last thing is adapting to the NBA. And this is kind of bullshit. I'm not going to lie, but it's it needs to be here because this could go bad. Like there is still bust potential. We have no idea how Facundo Campazzo, who has never played in the NBA before, is going to handle the speed of the NBA and the athleticism that exists around it. Not to tear my own swing skill to pieces here, but Real Madrid is the best team in the second best league in the world. This dude knows what competitive basketball is. He's 29 and has been around the block. He's played international basketball a ton, whether in the Olympics or FIBA. So this it, this is not an this is not an example of somebody who is just beating up on trash teams overseas, playing in the Olympics and shining against bad teams, and then thinking he can come to the NBA. This is somebody who was played against the best talent outside of the NBA, outside of the NBA, while also taking on and pushing the best talent in the world in the Olympics and FIBA events. So there's a lot more. Uh, reason to believe he will adapt than that he won't, but there is a small chance he just busts out, so it has to be included. I just don't believe in it. So we'll see, but I wanted to add it just to be fair. Um, Then there's three worrisome aspects of his game, which, again, I'm going to tear my own thing to pieces here. Defense is one, size is another, and where he fits is the third thing. Defense, again, just because teams might just be like, we're going to run pick and rolls at Facundo Campazzo every time until they prove they can stop it. And if he can't stop it, there is a worrisome aspect. I do think he'll be better than that, and I think the Nuggets will be creative enough to keep him from being in those situations, but that is still going to be something that he needs to prove at the NBA level. Same thing with his size. He needs to prove that he can, because he's already proven, again, in the second best league in the world for the best team in that league, he's already proven he can overcome being 5'11". He has proven over and over and over and over again that being 5'11 has not stopped him from being one of the most electrifying point guards on the earth. Still, the NBA is different. It is a better league for a reason, and he has to prove it. So it is still a worrisome aspect of his game. The fit part is interesting here because it's specific to Denver. It's hard for him to come off the bench with Monte Morris because, again, yes, 6'1 and 5'11. It makes them extremely small and prone to being shot over in the mid-range and things like that. I, I, I get that. It also makes it difficult for him to find minutes as the lead ball handler, which is what he's done for the majority of his career. So the fit is still questionable, but now that we have covered all of this, let's talk about the best case scenario and something that I think might actually be on the table here. So let's start with Michael Malone talking day one of training camp when he said the only positions that are locked down for the starters is point guard with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic at center. Shooting guard, small forward, power forward, all open competition for guys to start. Gary Harris has been unavailable a lot, obviously. The injury history is damning for him right now, and his shot just isn't falling. And that has been an issue for two and a half years now. And until that changes, it's hard to depend on Gary Harris going forward. This is the first time Michael Malone has not said that Gary Harris is his guy. He is starting end of conversation. That has always been Malone's stance. It's the first time it isn't. So... Again, best case scenario for Facundo and for the Nuggets would be 
Facundo Campazzo starting at shooting guard alongside Jamal Murray. I know this might sound completely fucking bonkers to a lot of people, especially people who haven't watched them, but think of it this way. Gary Harris slides down to backup shooting guard, or P.J. Dozier fills in there if Gary Harris is injured or cannot play, whatever. That gives you enough size off the bench to, pr- to play a mostly traditional lineup and still play fast. Also, Facundo Campazzo playing next to 6'4", way stronger Jamal Murray, gives him way more coverage than he would have off the bench with Monte Morris. And then, this is where I get really excited. When you think about the playoffs, the biggest issue was that Will Barton was not there starting at shooting guard for them to flip the ball back across the court to and run more offense on the other side of the floor. They would just run dribble handoff with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, and one of them would have to force up a tough shot, or they found a way to create an advantage. That was just the end of the conversation for the Nuggets for the majority of the playoffs. Having Facundo Campazzo on the opposite wing from where you're running a dribble handoff with Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray is so difficult for a defense to defend because now you have to worry about Campazzo making a really quick pass because he is so smart and knows how to take advantage of teams when they're already out of position, but he also has the three-point shooting ability. He also knows how to step into a mid-range shot. He can finish at the rim. He is actually a three-level guy. So... Having him on the court, even though it does hurt your defense, like Jamal Murray, Facundo Campazzo, Michael Porter Jr. is not an idealistic backcourt defensively. I am not stupid. I'm well aware of that fact. But if you're trying to get the most out of Facundo and your starting lineup offensively, this is the way you do it. And if somehow Facundo is able to be a much better defender than we thought, there's a lot more viability here because he's such a more impactful offensive player than Gary Harris is. So... This is something that I really, really, really like. Being able to swing the ball and let Facundo Campazzo attack three on two, essentially. Because when all of a sudden you're running a dribble handoff with Nikola Jokic, I know I'm trying to explain this in words and you're not watching it. But when when Jamal Murray comes screaming around Nikola Jokic and going towards the rim, it forces a defender to step up. And suddenly, on the opposite end of the court, so it's Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic versus three defenders, and the other side, it's Facundo Campazzo, Jamichael Green, and Michael Porter Jr., on the other end of the court, and you can play three-on-two with Facundo Campazzo attacking downhill with all of that ability to pass. You can attack from anywhere on the court at any given time and just run dribble handoff into dribble handoff and find an advantage at some point. That is just beautiful and perfect offense, and in my opinion, that is the best-case scenario for Facundo Campazzo. I hope you guys enjoyed that because I know I sure as hell did, but we'll have to wait and see. We're going to take our second break here, come back, and we'll close out the podcast. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures. 
every single day. Head to BetOnline today and take full advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Thank you guys again for listening and supporting this show. It really does mean so much to me, and it's really cool just to see how it's grown. Like People are really buying in now that I've increased all of the amount of shows that you're getting per week, and it's been really cool to see the feedback and people enjoying it as much as I'm having recording them. Like It's really cool to see all of the reviews growing on Apple Podcasts. Like I check every day, and there's a couple new ones now. Like All of a sudden, DreDub009 is leaving a review. Connor Downs left a review. Thank you guys so much for doing that it means a hell of a lot that you guys take the time to go support this show like that by taking time out of your own day to do something you don't need to do to be able to give it a little bit more love in the limelight so thank you so much for leaving a five-star review on apple Podcasts, for leaving a comment for sharing it on social media for telling your friends about it for subscribing anywhere you listen to podcasts it really means everything and thank you so much also thank you to indeed thank you to bet online also make sure you go subscribe to um american product the Freddie Adu documentary put on by Blue Wire Podcast. There is so much cool stuff coming, and I know that I'm no longer writing, but I got some cool things in the works as well. So get ready for a fun Nuggets season. We're just getting started, and there's more to come. So stick around, keep staying safe, keep wearing a mask, and we will talk to you guys very, very soon.